You're listening to Bethany Radio. More content is available on iTunes or online at BethanyBibleLeroy.com. Good morning, everyone, visitors that are here with us. Glad to have you here. Take your scriptures out. If you don't have one, find one in a seat near you in the back and turn to the book of Mark again, chapter 13, as we move along in this chapter of being on guard and looking for that day when Jesus will come, and we get to that here this weekend, today, uh, in the text. As you're turning there, we've got a picture from last week from Malachi, and uh, had a couple turned in, so I take some that have won it recently, take those out, and those that haven't, draw from there. Here's Malachi, he's, got a, he's getting into writing these things out, he's got Jesus speaking there, and and uh, when you see that abomination of desolation, I won't read the whole thing, but he's got it, you know, flee to the mountains, that sort of idea going on when you see this taking place. And then at the end he adds, but be on guard. I've told you all things beforehand. Don't be surprised. Expect tribulation is where we were at. So thank you, Malachi, for doing that. We've been looking here through different sections through chapter 13. As I mentioned, being on guard, part one, we looked at verses one through um, 13 it was, to endure to the end, be on your guard, endure in Christ. And then we looked um, last week at being on guard and expecting tribulation, like I said. And this week, uh, we get to this idea of being on guard that Jesus is certainly coming. Emphasis on the word certainly You could say emphasis on all of it. Jesus, certainly, coming. We're going to split um, in your bulletin. You've got notes uh, in there going through 31, and I'm going to read 24 through 31 in just a little bit. Um, But working on it, and even this morning thinking, I just need to split this up. So I said there was a 90% chance. I think we'd we'd be on track. We're off track. So uh, that's okay. You'll appreciate it, and hopefully... And we'll just take these two separately. Not, I, I don't want to go so quick that we lose the glorious things that are happening, happening really in, in each one of these. So um, this week, verses 24 and 27 through there. Next week, then, 28 through 31. Um, I think there's still a connection with these passages, but we'll just uh, uh, split them up a little bit for, for the sake of time and, and emphasis here and, and being able to draw out some application as well. So let me read verse 24, starting in Mark 13 through verse 31. We'll read the whole thing. Let's hear God's word to us this morning. But in those days, after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And then He will send out the angels and gather His elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that He is near at the very gates. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, 
but my words will not pass away. Let's pray again. Father, great promises, great hope in such a short section. You are coming. And you're just not coming meekly or mildly or even how you came the first time. You're coming with great power and glory. And I pray we would get a a taste of that as we meditate on your word today. Father, that we would look forward to this day with hope, that we would endure with patience. We would see tribulation, we would see dark days, and yet we would long for and wait expectantly, certainly on the day when your light will shine in the darkness and overcome all. Lord, thank you for the hope we already have already won at the cross and your coming hope by coming again. So lead us, Lord, by your Spirit. We ask, Lord, that you would reveal to us what we need to see here today. Um, Show us, Lord. Help us to listen with ears today and then go and apply and do what we're seeing in your Scriptures. We ask this for your help, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Mark really invites us here as he's going through and he's writing really Jesus as he's saying these things. Mark's just written this down. To these days after this great tribulation that we talked about last week, literally the falling of the sky. The skies are falling right here. They seem to be in verse 24. And then the coming of Jesus and his angels in power and glory. That these things are near heaven and earth. It's going to pass away but not the precious words of Christ. In our reading and our living out our Christian life, um, I encourage us uh, to not miss the glorious truths of what we just read. That's a reminder for me as much as you. We can go through our study. I can go through prepping for a sermon. Or you can read passages. We talked about some of this in Sunday school. Just kind of look at it and go, yeah, I, I know. I got questions about this word though. And we... Those are going to come up. We're going to have those. How does this fit? And let's have those. But not miss this glorious truth of what's going on uh, in even this section, but in the whole of Scripture. We'll struggle to know all the wins and wheres, but we take heart. Jesus himself says the hour is unknown, even to him and us. And we've got to struggle to put it all together, but we want to stop and just gaze a bit at this heavenly scene. There, there's a contrast In the short section we're looking at today, this 24 through 27, really a contrast of things given, isn't there? There's this hour, there's this time of darkness. I can't make this room all dark. We could turn lights off. They were for Malachi's picture. But just imagine this time of darkness contrasted to a time of light, a time of tribulation, and a time of salvation. Um, Stars falling. I mean, we get worried about one asteroid off course, right? Stars falling, um, heavens shaken, and then the Son of Man coming with great power and glory. Look at verse 24 and 25, this contrast, these first parts here. Just to look at them again, I'll read them for us. But in those days after that tribulation... Jesus has given us a little timing here, those days after that tribulation. The sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. 
there's a darkness really going on covering the earth. And we just want to take a minute even just to picture this situation. The tribulation, as Malachi pointed out to us, it's been bad enough as we're remembering from last week. People told to not return home. You left your cloak, don't go get it. Run, flee, don't go back down to the house. It's going to be bad. It's nothing that the world has ever seen nor will. It's a terrible tribulation. It's intense. But after that, everything goes dark. The sun's dark. Therefore, the, the moon is dark. Uh, and the stars fall from heaven. Even the heavenly powers are shaken. And I think in here, I think I'm hearing uh, um, even this pointing out these cosmic powers. Paul talks about them in Ephesians 6. He says, talks about the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. I think maybe we're not certain, but I think you could apply that here. Even that the cosmic powers, things are just shaking. The world is being undone. Really pointing to, I think, a description of judgment on the earth. Throughout our text today, there are Old Testament allusions. You can spend time going back and seeing these things uh, for you back here, I think backwards, back in the Old Testament, seeing these things take place. But when the Old Testament and Revelation as well, New Testament, when they speak of darkened things like this, darkened sun, stars falling, this type of language, it's language of judgment and wrath. If you look back, I can give you some to write down. I think Isaiah 13 you can look at, or Isaiah 34, uh, Ezekiel 32, different places where I I think you'll see this if you were to look it up, this idea of darkness, of impending judgment or wrath being poured out with these things being dark. But then as we move closer to this coming of Jesus, we transition in a way from these darkened skies, stars falling. And I want you to listen to Psalm 102. You don't have to go there, but you can listen to this or write it down. Psalm 102, 25 through 28. And I I think it's you're going to hear this time period, I believe, being spoken of here. Here's what it says. Of old you, Lord, of old you laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will change them like a robe, and they will pass away. I think that's what we see going on here. But here's the hope. You are the same and your years have no end. The children of your servants shall dwell secure. Their offspring shall be established before you. So there's on the one hand a sight of terrifying darkness and stars falling. But there's something else stirring and that is a great hope. The hope of the elect here. That King Jesus is coming again. And he's coming through the clouds with great power and glory. Glory comes through clouds. I think you see that in the Old Testament. You can see that as well. Look at verse 26, just to read it again. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And we might ask, who's the they? It's good to ask pronouns that are being used. Who is the they? I believe the they refers to everyone. I think it's a global they. Some might argue that. Um, Certainly, we see here the elect of God are going to see Jesus. We see that verse 27, the angels are going to go out and gather. 
But Matthew has a parallel account, and we can use those sometimes to help us understand different parts. In Matthew's account of when Jesus comes, it sheds some light. He says, all the tribes of the earth will mourn when, this, when they, Jesus comes. There's a sense of everyone's going to see this. And there's, I think there's a mixture of reaction. There's mourning and there's joy for those in Christ. There's a joy for them. There's hope coming out of darkness. And hope comes in the clouds with light and glory. If you think about this in what God's given, it's amazing. His gifts of gracious illustrations to us that are all around us. Um, You think of a thunderstorm, and we've had some, I think even, yeah, this last week and prior to that, you get a good thunderstorm going here. And before it comes, everything goes dark. It gets dark, and there's a darkness coming overhead, and the rain comes, and it's pounding, and it's uh, a hard rain, and you see this coming. But then sometimes in the summer, Minnesota's a little different. It stays cloudy, doesn't it? It just keeps raining. But sometimes, I think even this week, you'll see the storm comes by, and then there's what comes behind? There's light. And you can go, five minutes ago, I thought it was going to rain all afternoon. But five minutes later, it's moved on and there's light. And it comes through the clouds and it comes down. You think of that storm like the tribulation here. And yet after that, the clouds break apart and the sun, the sun of man, the sun of righteousness is coming. There's an image of that. God gives us a picture. The next time you see a storm, I hope you remember that and go, wow, it's a re- Reminder, there's tribulation. We can expect that. And yet he's coming. There's, the sun's going to rain. And God's put this in the sky. We know the rain is helpful for crops, but I think we're given a picture in nature itself of what's going on. God is even doing this in the lives of people, this darkness of tribulation to light. There's this theme uh, we see even amongst people that when we see darkness or what appears to be darkness jesus light shines through brightly many of you are familiar with the uh the jensen family of this past two weeks really right eric and monica jensen maybe some of you were at the funeral they lost their son took his own life two weeks so close a tragedy for this family right i mean uh, with kids doesn't matter if you have kids or not. It's a tragedy. You look at it, what a dark day for them. And dark days, and probably days ahead. And yet, if you were at that service, you saw light. And it was beautiful. And it wasn't a light of, let's build up Jake and how good he was. It was centered on the light, on Christ. And it was wonderful. There's darkness And yet there's light in Christ and he shines through that. The funeral was a wonderful uh, view of seeing that. Satan did not have the victory. Jesus reigned even in that service. And by the way, continue to pray for them and, and pray for those amongst us that know them closer, that we continue to put an arm around this family as they move on and things settle down. So, uh, and pray too, um, I just got to say, we've been praying, hopefully you've been praying for our town to hear the gospel. It was proclaimed to however many people filled that 
entire Lutheran church this week. Would you pray for them? Pray for those that hurt. How cool. God's answering prayer. He's moving in our town, in this area. Um, and may it be a, an entrance maybe to share with somebody, hey, were you at the funeral? What do you think about that? Uh, and do that. So pray for them. But again, that's a great picture here in these end times, this darkness will not rule the day. Jesus comes. He rules. And He will come. Well, His words in verse 26 really stem from, and you're going to be familiar with this, uh, again, Daniel chapter 7. What He says in verse 26 are really Daniel chapter 7 type words. I would invite you to go there just so you can see it. We were in Daniel 9 and 11 and 12 last week. Um, Daniel chapter 7, I'll just read the section. It's in verse 13. If you turn there, 13 and 14, as Jesus uses this title, the Son of Man coming in the clouds, we say, what do you mean, Jesus, by Son of Man? And we are helped quite uh, richly here by Daniel chapter 7. And I think that's what Jesus is referring to here. So let me read it to you. It says, I saw, Daniel says, I saw in the night visions... And behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. Now, that's familiar language. Dominion, it's an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. And his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. We hang on to this description. Here Jesus is son of man. He has dominion. He has glory. He has a kingdom. All will serve him. And as we read, his dominion will not pass away. We have a king and he's coming again. And his kingdom will not pass away. It's certain. And what does Jesus say at the end of where we read today? We're going to look at it more next week. But he says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. We have a sure king and a sure kingdom and a sure word. His promises of what will take place. Well, One uh, final thought as we move back to the book of Mark here, back to Mark 13. Um, and we think about Daniel... We think about some of these. Th- this is interesting. I came across this quote by someone. It was in a commentary by someone named Schlatter. I'm probably not even getting his name right. But he said this, and I thought it's quite helpful for us as we see so many things of the Old Testament. He's going to point this out. So many things of what Jesus is saying is based in the Old Testament. Uh, listen to what he says, quote, The description of the Perusia. Now that's the this is language for the second coming. Okay, when you hear Perusia or Perusia, the second coming. The description of the Perusia consists almost entirely of quotations from Scripture. Jesus did not create his own imagery for the event in which, in the glory of God, he would reveal himself to the world. He grounded the hope of the disciples solely in the prophetic words in the same way that he strengthened himself for the cross 
with the assurance that suffering and the divine will were united in Scripture. In other words, the descriptions here, they're dripping with allusion to the Old Testament and they're really the final fulfillment of all of what was previously prophesied. Jesus himself is using Scripture. What he's commenting on is saying, he's not just coming up with different descriptions, he's saying, look at the Old Testament. It's being fulfilled. You're seeing it play out. The Son of Man, remember Daniel 7, he's coming. Remember the sun will be darkened, Isaiah 13. It's, it's coming. You're seeing these things. Jesus himself, and we ought to be encouraged by this, he says what the Bible says, and he quotes from it as if, and it is, as if it's his words, and they are. And if Jesus placed, here's the idea, if Jesus placed such importance on his word, should not we as well? We have his word. And he used it. He didn't just say, that's my word. Might be helpful to pick up every now and then when he gets stuck. Go ahead and read a proverb or a psalm. This is my word. See what's going on because it points to, for Jesus, me. All right. On to verse 7 because we see here in verse, I'm sorry, verse 27 then, part of the mission of Jesus coming and we see his sending out his angels to gather his elect. Verse 27 says, And then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth and to the ends of heaven. He's going to send out his angels, much like it's kind of the the idea there of apostle. He's going to apostle his angels. He's going to send them out uh, to gather for the harvest, to gather the wheat into the barn. And this here is a, is a global gathering, isn't it? Scripture tells us from the four winds, from the, really the ends of the earth, uh, where he's going to gather his elect. It's a global gospel that goes out to the world. Uh, one commentator pointed out verse 10. If you look back at Mark 13, verse 10, what do you see there? The gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations, people, that idea, this going out to the nations. And here, the angels are going out to the nations, to the extremities, to the ends, to gather their own, uh, to gather his own, rather, back to himself, to gather those of Christ, the elect of God. So the gospel, I think we're aware of this, and, but just to reiterate, it's not just for a particular land, isn't it? It's, it's not just for... Uh, Israel or for the United States or the Middle East or some other place. It's a global gospel that goes out. It's a global people that will be saved. Um, it's interesting, the things in a week that, that contribute towards a sermon. You wouldn't think mowing the lawn would, but it did. I tend to listen to podcasts when I go out and on the mower, and um, it's a great time. I love mowing, so... Uh, on that, on our mower, it's fun. Uh, but I was listening to a podcast this week by a fellow named Zane Pratt, and he's of the Southern Baptist uh, International Mission Board. He would work with them, and he was giving a talk. His talk was on relating to uh, how Protestants relate to Muslims, and that idea. Um, he's interested, what he had to say. But he said something that caught my attention. You, you've heard of the and this, this ties into this idea of the global gospel going out, gathering the elect. Um, he was talking about the crisis in Syria, the civil war that's going on, the fighting. And 
I don't claim to understand all of what's going on in Syria. I'm not sure if anybody does totally, but, but you've probably heard of the Syrian refugees that are fleeing the country. Zane Pratt, as he was talking, he was speaking about this. It's rather, uh, I would say, encouraging. It's neat to see how God is working. He says, a huge part of the Syrian people that are on refugee, well, they are on refugee status. Here's all these refugees. They're coming out. And yet, his news was three, they're seeing three to four, maybe five Muslims a week coming to know the Savior. Now, uh, he says, in those terms, that's a lot. Maybe we think, well, that's a, low, that's a lot for the, um, those in Islam. And they're turning to Christ, and they're coming to Christ through these camps where Christians are at work. This global gospel is going out to the ends of the earth for Christ to gather his elect from the ends of the earth. He says this, um, and I'll quote him here. He says, God has used ISIS. You know, we think of ISIS, right? We think, what a dangerous group. They are. They're, they're not a friendly group at all. But they're upon, they're, God uses all things. He says this, God has used ISIS to disillusion large parts of the Muslim world and Islam and give an openness to Christianity. There, this is an out-of-darkness, light-shining type thing going on, and that's a God thing that's going on amongst them. And it's wonderful. It's a global gospel going out. And here, even ISIS, who thinks they're going against Christianity, is moving these Syrians to refugee camps where they're hearing the gospel and they're responding to the Savior. He's at work. He's at work in darkness. That storm cloud, though it looked dark, God is at work. Christ is shining. Uh, he points out there, you know, and, and it's helpful. Um, it's not the pointing out the Muslim heart. It's not any harder to reach. We th- I tend to think of, well, Muslims, they're harder to reach. No, any one of us, right? We all have, we're all dead in sin. We're all a hard heart to reach. Um, his encouragement is for the church to obey and go and spread the gospel to this people group. Um, he says this, and then I'll, I'll move on kind of from the side, but it's connected here. He says this, Everywhere in the Muslim world where we have gone and learned the language and we have stayed and we have persisted in sharing the gospel, without exception, we have seen fruit for the gospel. So the call on us is to go, maybe Colombia, maybe other places, is to go. Maybe the call on us is to be senders, that we send people to go. But it's an end of the earth to the nations type gospel. And that's who the angels will come back to gather. The elect from the four winds. May we have a heart for all of the nations to see them come to the light from darkness. Be part of this kingdom when Jesus returns. And so Jesus comes where we leave 26 and 27 in great power and glory and gathers his elect. Next week, we're going to move on to 28 through 31. And I would just encourage you, if not already, to be reading ahead as you know where we're going to go. It's, it's obvious in the next uh, weeks ahead. Read ahead and prepare as we get to each section. But let me close with just a few thoughts on what we've been studying by way of just application and kind of thinking this through for our lives here today. Put it real 
shortly, the Son of Man will come with great power and glory. That's the verse 26. He's going to come. It's great power and glory. The question for your heart today and for mine is, how will you react when you see this glory? If we believe everybody's going to see this coming, will there be mourning and weeping or will there be rejoicing? He's come back. Will the darkened skies be just the beginning of an eternity in darkness? Or as Matthew puts it, weeping and gnashing of teeth? Or will the darkened skies remind you that, no, the sun's coming and I'm looking forward to it? We're going to be here uh, next week, but I want to turn lastly to the book of Second Peter. And I'd love seeing in some of these um, epistles like we did last week with uh, Thessalonians and this week with Second Peter 3. God's Word really shed just the light we need to help us understand. Because we're in some, we've ad, I've admitted before, just some hard territory. The winds and hows and how do these all things sort out? And we're looking at that. We'll look at more next week. You can study on, on those sorts of things. But Second um, Peter 3, I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but I do want to look at verse 8 through 13. So you, as you think about the coming one and how you will react, where is your heart at do you look forward to him? Do you dread his coming? Here's what he says, is what Peter says in 2 Peter 3, 8. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. I mean, there, there's a great verse by itself. Um, we're only a couple days out of the prediction that he's coming back, so... Verse 9, though, the Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up, and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. So Peter says in verse 11, since, since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to His promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Verse 13, it's according to His promise. You could, I think you could put in there, according to His Word. When Jesus says something, it's going to happen. He gives His Word. My words will not pass away. I will come for you. Though there be tribulation and darkness, I am coming in the clouds. And if death does not come to us first, he will come again. We have really one hope for this dissolving going on of heavens, and that hope is in the one coming in the clouds. That one whose feet and hands and side were pierced for our sins and our transgressions. That's the hopeful one we're hoping for. There is, as we read, there's a patience with God. But do not count him. Oh, I got time. I got a year before I really get serious 
about following the Lord Jesus Christ. Do not wait. He could come. Wouldn't that be awesome? He could come now. And we go, wonderful. May we look at that day with expectation. And if you have that kind of dread, let me just say, as we would be remiss to not mention, to say, repent, turn from your sin. If that is your case, if you have not turned towards the Savior, repent of sin and trust in Jesus Christ alone, His righteousness alone, His death on the cross for salvation, and look to Him, and then look forward to His coming. Let us who know Christ, let us endure the tribulation. May we wait and hope and live lives, like Peter says here, of holiness and godliness and and proclaim the gospel to all that gather the elect from the four winds. We don't want to waste the breath He's given us. We want to spend our lives on what matters most. We want to proclaim the hope that reigns in the darkness and the light that shines out of darkness. Testify to others. People are in darkness all around us. May we be that light of Christ to them. It's coming in great power and glory, but may we too, Matthew 5, right, talks about this. May we let our light shine even now in our town with your neighbor. Need to hear the neighbors comforting their neighbors in the midst of what's going on with the, the Jensen family. Is that you? Do you have a household across from you? You know there's suffering or you know there's darkness? I just encourage you, just begin to pray for them. Start there. Maybe maybe you already are. Some of you, I know you are. Pray for them that light would come, that they'd be prepared for the coming of Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, wonderful truths of your coming again truths that we're all too prone to read over in a couple sentences and move on with our day. Oh Lord, you're coming. Though there be tribulation, though we see a dark storm, we see our own sinfulness, our own running away from you, we see it in our world around us and in our country. May we look expectantly with certainty that you will come again. Lord, I pray for each one of us that we'd have a heart for our neighbors, perhaps neighbors that live across an ocean or neighbors that live across a street. And may you give us, Holy Spirit, boldness to take light to them, to share Christ with them. Lord, these that heard the gospel in this funeral, this dark time this week, may they come to the light. May they repent and turn to Jesus, the Savior. And Lord, I just pray you'd encourage each of our hearts to wait upon you with expectancy, uh, to trust you, Lord, that your words are sure. And may we be built up in your word this week. Thank you for what you're doing in this town, in our world, for these glimpses of your work. Lord, may we be used of you as your instruments for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.